Thank you both. One of the, uh, I guess, points of view of my entire priestly life has always been not to ask other people to do something that you're unwilling to do yourself. And sometimes that means I don't stand around and say, oh, you people pick up the chairs and stack them in the Lionville gym, but get in there and pick up the chairs yourself. So I thought after listening to the liturgical life committee design for our parish mission and that call to really witness to the faith, I said, well, I'm talking a whole lot about the scriptures. I'm talking about some life experience, but I probably don't tell you too many of the inside pictures of my own faith journey. So tonight I just ask you to look at three little moments in the journey that God has guided with me. I don't know why, maybe it's just I've always been some of the introspective sort. But I remember even in seventh and eighth grade and through high school, when we lived on both sides of Cobbs Creek in West Philadelphia, I was the kid who would always go down into the woods by myself, sit on those little rocks looking on the creek as it ran by, and be quiet. Now, that's such a contrast from my normal way of life around here, but, but that quiet and solitude really was a time of opening my heart to listen to what God wants of me. Now, that got translated a few years later in my first two years in the seminary over at St. Charles, where if you know, there's a kind of a, a nice hedge along Lancaster Avenue and City Avenue and Wynwood Road. And our first two years, we weren't allowed to leave the campus. And many of my classmates from Bonner High School were down the street at St. Joe's on a Friday night having a good time. And I remember walking along that hedge for an hour on a Friday night saying, what the hell am I doing here? What do you want of me? So the initial interest in following the Lord wasn't a straight line. And to kind of wrestle with, if I were out partying with my college friends through those years, I would never have learned the stillness and quiet and the meditative spirit that's necessary to really be an active and adult Christian, not just a priest Christian. So the first thing is, how can we get more comfortable with enough quiet in our lives that God can actually get through to us? It took me a long time to learn how to be quiet. The second vignette. One of the responsibilities that we had as we went through the seminary was at the end of the year, you would do what we called a peer evaluation. So you look at all the other classmates and you say, do you recommend to Joe to go forward to the next year? Why or why not? That's a really daunting thing. But I made a commitment for the four years that we did that to start with a self-evaluation. What do I see in myself as either moving towards a good priesthood or maybe holding it back? Because that's the measuring stick in which you interpret what I say about anybody else. So I distinctively remember Two years before we were, two weeks before we were getting ready for the Yakin ordination, which is after seven years of this stuff. And I had written down for myself, I don't know, maybe 45 questions that were not yet answered. I said, myself, Lord, like, with all these things still uncertain, I don't know if I can really go forward for ordination. I went through and got the Yakin. I figured, well, I got the, another year to work on this. Well, a year later, I did the same evaluation and I had the same set of questions. But then I realized before priestly ordination, having the questions wasn't going to change. They weren't going to get magical answers that God had laid out my whole life ahead of me. I needed to make a commitment to follow Christ and let Christ show me day after day and week after week and year after year. 
how to address the questions I present myself in life. All of you who have lived a married life know what that is. Day after day, year after year, you need to invite yourself to find out how to love this other person in a different way as you grow and change and age. So I had to learn that my life was going to be continuing to have questions and yet moving forward with Christ. The second lesson, it took me a little while to learn. The third and final reflection I'd offer tonight is this. Some of you know I spent eight years in parish ministry, the most wonderful years. When you're a young priest, unless you kill your mother, the people love you. You can't do wrong because you make mistakes. Who cares? I had two wonderful parish experiences. And then while I had the opportunity to go to full-time graduate studies in Rome, I got there in September. I knew two people. There were 100 American priests in the house studying all kinds of things. I was sitting in a class, taught in Italian. I didn't know what the heck they were talking about. Well, we got to the first Thanksgiving. Folks, I was really surprised to find out that Thanksgiving is not a holiday in Italy. Now, the American colleagues tried to do something. We had a big mass celebration. We had a gigantic cocktail hour and a big turkey dinner. And it got to 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And it was over. No parade, no football, no family. So I sat at my little IBM typewriter and I typed out a four-page, single-spaced, poor-me misery statement about how ugly it was to be here on Thanksgiving afternoon. But what I discovered looking at that was this. What really was at the heart of that wasn't just distance from family, which is hard enough for all of us who live around the country. It was that for eight years, being a parish priest, celebrating the Eucharist, celebrating the other sacraments, being involved in people's lives in a deeply intimate way, was all gone. Nobody in the entire city of Rome cared at all whether I even went to Mass on Sunday, let alone celebrated for people. The whole basis of my priestly ministry was to find an active pastoral way. That was all gone. So in the intervening time, I needed to learn again from God something I hadn't seen. In the quiet of my heart, to reflect on the Word of God that I was studying, but also to kind of recapture being at the Eucharist as a participant, not the leader. It's like a busman's holiday when the priest continually celebrates the liturgy for you, but fails sometimes to see the importance of liturgy for me. So the Lord taught me through the deprivation a deeper appreciation for the Word of God and for the celebration of the Eucharist that had been every day all the time for me for eight years in priestly ministry. So I suggest to you tonight that our three speakers had one goal in mind. What we were called to do by our first two speakers, to be willing to share our faith in simple ways, is critical for the future of our church. If you want people to come to Mass on Sunday, we've got to give them some reason to come by the exuberance of our faith and a deep sense of gratitude and appreciation that we have for all that God has done for us. Thanksgiving at Eucharist only makes sense if you have something to be grateful to God for. I'm grateful for God to have quieted my soul enough to listen and hear. I'm grateful to God for teaching me that life's questions don't get answered, they get lived out together with God. I'm grateful for God for teaching me how to be a man of the Word of God and a man of the Eucharist as a Christian before as a minister. St. Augustine, who Greg, one of my favorite guys, also quoted, he said, for you I am a bishop, with you I am a fellow Christian.
My message is that everyone in this church, together, we are Christians for one another. And there's an entire community of St. Elizabeth, 9,000 some strong, and a whole world of northern Chester County that needs us to be visible, confident, hopeful, trusting, however imperfect, believers, inviting others to share the faith that we know. Tonight we pray that through the power of Christ's Eucharist, he would give us the courage to follow his mission of sharing the word of God for others.